News Talk On Demand. Interruption-free audio where you want it, when you want it. Happy Sunday, and welcome to Garden Talk on 650-CKOM and 980-CJME. I'm Jay Thomas with Jill and Rick Van Dyke. Good morning, guys. Good, Good morning, morning, Jay. Boy, beautiful morning. Here we are, and uh, I'm I'm home. I'm I was out for a week at, in the mountains, and glad to be back here too. So yeah, both of you are gone, and leave me here to hold the fort. <laughs> you did it very well, though. <laughs> I'm sure everybody appreciated you. Yeah, I was up in Meadow Lake, and um, with my kids, we went and did some camping up north. It's, it's been such a beautiful summer for it. Yeah, the bugs were a little bit bad at times, but uh, the kids had a lot of fun up north, and then I took off down to Ohio and was at a horticulture conference learning about some new trends and the new plant varieties that are coming out for next year and just doing some dreaming and thinking about what's to come for 2023. Well, that's pretty neat. Mm-hmm. Are, are there, there, there must be things there that are, are not hardy that they're talking about in Ohio, right? For our zone, right? Absolutely. Like a lot of the perennials, it's one of the big things that we want to do is we want to look for perennials that are hardy for our zone. So in Saskatchewan, we're a zone two to three. We are finding that we can, um, in the urban centers, go to mo- almost a zone four now. Um, so it's, it's looking at some of those varieties, but you're seeing down in the states a lot of like five to five to eight zones too so going through and picking the varieties and trialing them out here before we put them on the shelves for our customers mm. is really important that's really cool mm-hmm. i did uh, did some i was out in jasper national park okay. and did some camping for the week and learned some pretty interesting things the first thing i'll say is that man oh man if you are doing a trip out there lucky you because the wildflowers are crazy in the park right now. I have never yeah. seen it that way. And what colors uh, were you seeing the most? There was everything. There was uh, yellow, orange, reds, purples, and whites. And there was even a really good, 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 like tons of Saskatchewan prairie lilies, wild lilies growing. Amazing. Yeah. And it was just like the, the ditches were just loaded along the sides of the roads in the national park. It's unbelievable. And it's so nice when you can go hiking and come up to a summit where there's like a little bit of a clearing and look down into the into the fields and you can just see all the color. Oh, it's, it was it was unbelievable. So that was really cool. But learning some really interesting facts about the the trees, the lodgepole pine in the national park as well, and that that they're kind of mm-hmm. facing a bit of a crisis there, and that the beetle, what's it called? The, it's a pine beetle. It's a pine beetle. Yeah. And it it. Attacks the tree and then leaves a fungus that also kills the tree, kills right? The tree. It carries it carries a fungus, right? Yeah. And that's, and that's just like Dutch elm disease it is with elms, and that's why we try to protect the elms in Saskatchewan. And now we've got the emerald ash borer coming, uh, which will kill a lot of the ash trees. So, you know, there again, the way you can move that around in, in the prairies, because we don't have forests like that, is just by moving firewood. So don't move firewood around. Yeah. When you're camping, like you were, you were camping, yeah, just leave your firewood behind. That's the biggest exactly, thing. Mm-hmm. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. It's gonna be it's gonna be very interesting to see the future of our of our trees and our parks because because of humans have interacted or, or intervened for so long, preventing yeah. forest fires from happening. Yes. That's actually made the, the, the forest wrong, wrong thing. It was actually the wrong decision. They've they've yep. figured that out. You know, it used to be only you can prevent forest fires from yep. Smokey the Bear. And now of course they don't want anybody to cause a forest fire, but when forest fires happen, they have to have to happen, in fact, it's, uh, it's, for the natural progression of the tree trees the forest cannot survive without without fires wildlife can't survive in 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 forests that are old old like that because you don't they need the aspens and everything else to grow up and those 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 uh pines the only way they're going to reproduce themselves is if a fire opens up the cone right Right? it was explained to me that the fire has to break through the cone and there's there is a you know a layer of sap in there Mm -hmm. that has to melt to get that 
seed inside to then germinate, yes. right? Yeah, so it's all a natural progression. And, you know, you get all these thousands and millions of trees dying from the uh, the beetle, and you don't get a fire to open it up, all of a sudden you've lost that variety of tree for a while, right? Until a fire does come through because there might be some old cones that are laying around, you know, but... Uh, but other than that, you start getting a different type of forest, and that's how forests evolve, right? That's they, right. They go, yeah. from, they go from aspens to to spruce to pine to, you know, that that's the way they progress, you know, as they as they get older. So, from some of the park staff, I learned that the the natural progression of the forest is to for a tree to last about 90, 80, 90 yep. years, and then a forest fire to kind of come through and and do its thing and and rejuvenate the forest. But a lot of the trees there are between 150 and 200 years old. And we're going about like 20 years over what they yep. should. And so lots of fuel on the ground. So when you have a oh, fire still. now, now they're going to have a super fire. They won't just have a forest fire. They'll have a super fire because there's so much fuel. And they're aware of that now? And, now, and, and then that's when the disease and bugs go on. So you yep. don't have the natural progression of a fire. So, so it's going to be very interesting to see what happens in the future and uh you know what where it where it, it all comes you know what, what it all comes down to you know when a forest fire happens and it's hard in that because park. now you've got you know what we call urban sprawl in the mountains where you've got cabins and places like that happening oh, campgrounds, campgrounds all kinds of stuff so now you have now they have to protect right so it makes it tougher and that's yeah. why you're seeing places like in saskatchewan up by water on waskasu where they're doing some thinning of the forest because now they realize they have to let even Prince Albert National Park burn, mm-hmm. but they need to thin out around the places like Waska Sioux so that they can fight a fire from burning down Waska Sioux when it does come. Right. Right? It's so, not, not if it comes, but when it comes. It will come. So yes. they just have to be able to make Control it so that they can let the rest of the park burn, but they can protect places like the town site. Yeah, exactly. So yeah. just, you know, some inter- interesting information to learn, yeah. you know, on that trip about the forest there. And it's sort of sad in a way because also when that does happen, you know, things are going to change around there a lot. Oh, yeah. Who doesn't want to go to Jasper or Banff and see the trees in the mountains, right? That's just sort of... Yeah, and when the burn happens, it's going to take a progression for those trees to grow back again. Yeah. So there's going to be a number of years. But look at 10 years later. It's I beautiful. Mean, go up and notice Saskatchewan. I've, I've used to go up there since I was a kid. Yep. And then seen burn areas through. And now you go up there today. Uh, and that was back in the, in the, in the 80s, right? Mm-hmm. You go back there today, you can't even tell there was a fire in that area. No, you know, it's it's filled drains. in so much. It's filled in. Yeah. What, what what was explained to me, at least in, you know, that's that's great in Saskatchewan. Yeah. That's really good. But because of the elevation and the really short growing season, yeah. it just takes so much longer in oh, the mountains. Yeah. In fact, I we went up to uh, Maline Lake and did a boat tour, which yeah. was incredible to see Spirit Island. It's that famous picture of Jasper Park. Everybody's seen it. When you see it, you recognize it instantly. But uh, on that boat tour, uh, they said that they were shoveling snow two weeks ago. Oh, I believe that. I was wearing shorts on the boat tour. It was nice and hot that day. But two weeks ago, there was still an avalanche of snow falling off the tops of the mountains up there, and they were shoveling snow. And the ice only came off the lake, like, June 15th. <laughs> so when you're talking about, like, a month and a half of growing season, yeah. it takes a while for think, that forest to it get does, going. It does. It does. I think in June, or was it the end of June? I can't remember what it was, but they opened up Sunshine uh, Mountain for like four days. <laughs> I heard that too. <laughs> Let's go skiing. <laughs> well, welcome to the show. Hope you're enjoying what we're talking about. Join the conversation. one 332 8255 Of course, we want to talk about your trees and plants as well. So uh, if you're thinking about something that's going wrong in your yard right now, you need some help with that. Uh, looking for some advice at what to change or what to put into the yard. Doing some landscaping. We can always provide that too with uh, the expertise from Rick and Jill here. So yeah. let's go to the text line. 
Yeah, so you guys were having fun, you know, on holidays. I was at home, you know, uh, doing landscaping and seeding my gr- new grass. I've got an acre and a half that I'm seeding in grass and planting some trees and putting a pool in. Oh, I was and- just going to say, yeah, yeah, you're doing all that hard work and then you get to laze around the yeah, pool not, afterwards. Not, not till next year. This is a working year. <laughs> so for me. He's been well, digging holes constantly, digging holes spraying weeds. Putting and- sprinkler system in, doing it all myself. So we're getting there. I think you enjoy it. Every building- time I come over, you're sitting in that skid steer and you're just yep, digging holes. Digging holes. <laughs> digging holes. And sitting in my quad and with my hair and pulling them around. And, yep, he nope. enjoys I it. I think work is his hobby. <laughs> I it is. think so. <laughs> hey, you know what? Also, I wanted to talk about before you get to that. Yeah. When I came into the into the parking lot this morning. Yeah, here at, at Broadcast at, House. At Broadcast House here. There was uh, right in the, there was a there was some spruce branches laying on the ground with a whole bunch of acorns all over the place. And what happened there? Did a squirrel get in there? Or like a ton, like hundreds of acorns, like, a couple hundred, lots. Of yeah. Them. And then I went over there and take a look at him and it says, well, it's a fresh break. I thought, well, maybe there was a bore in or insect into it or a rotten part. And then I started, we started looking up and Jay showed up and then I said, we started looking around. I says, well, you know what's happened here? Is take a look around <laughs> all the spruce trees, all the tops are hanging right over. They're so heavy in acorns that is snapping the tops off. Yeah. So there's two trees here that we yeah. can see the tops are broken, broken right, right off. off. The... They're sitting right out in the parking lot and all the acorns are off. And then you start looking around around the, around the parking lot and even in around uh, the spruce trees. Huh? There's big, they're just hanging. They've got a big U shape. The top is hanging right down. They're so heavy in acorns. So what, what do we... What causes that? Yeah. Just stress. Stress. So moisture, so last lack year, of nutrients. Last couple of years we had drought. Okay. Mm-hmm. And so now they're stressed, so they're trying to reproduce themselves. So they think they're going to die. Okay. Okay. So they're trying to... Re- so that just... We talked about the seed, you know, replacing the forest, right? That's what they're trying to do is they're oh, trying to replace okay. themselves because they see that they're... I might be on the way out. And so I need to repl- put a whole bunch of seed out so all my little offspring come up and replace the forest. Right? So what's something that you can do if you have a, a tree in your yard that's producing all of these? Yep. Can, do you just knock them off right now and then yep. make sure you fertilize well, and water well? Well, you're 30 feet high. You're going to yeah. basically you almost, I mean, it won't hurt the tree, okay? Mm-hmm. It'll break off and it'll produce another second, two or three new, new leaders, right? Might look a little silly. So it'll it'll it won't hurt the tree, but if you want to stop it from doing that, you're going to have to get you probably have to hire somebody with a with a bucket truck to go up there and pick the acorns off, right? Mm, okay. If it's a smaller tree, you can pick them off. I did it on my yard, and my trees are only about eight ten feet tall. I actually picked a bunch of the acorns off, and uh, while they were still green, even okay. So and, I guess if you're listening, just take a look. If you've got you know yeah. evergreens in your yard, yeah, take a look what the, what the pine cones are doing. Finer on an acreage or yeah. a, a farm. You'll see it a lot because you know they, they we haven't been watering the trees, and that's the biggest thing to do is don't just water the grass, water the trees. Okay, we're gonna take a quick break, and we're gonna get back to the text line. We've got texts in from who? Hank here, uh, Rick in Swift Current, uh, Vic in Saskatoon, Vern Humboldt. So we're going all over the province here. Stick around; your texts are coming up. One eight seven seven three three two eight two five five. I'm Jay with Jill and Rick Van Dyvendyke. This is Garden Talk on nine eighty CJME and six fifty CKOM. Thanks for joining us in Garden Talk on 650 CKOM and 980 CGM. I'm Jay with Rick and Jill. And here we go with questions of yours. We got the text line open here and we've got to get uh, to some calls because those always get to go first. So in Saskatoon, Paul is joining us this morning. Good morning, Paul. Good morning. How's everyone today? Very great. Great. How are you? Good. Nice, cool evening last night. Yes. It was beautiful. It was a nice change. Um, I have um, native Saskatoon and choke cherries and I got a ton of them in my yard. Uh, problem is, is like, they're about 20 feet tall. Yep. 
so tall I don't even get to pick them until well now they're they're so full they're drooping over There's but good, they're all dried crop, out. Good crop this year. Beautiful. Yes. Well, all that rain we had, right? Yep. Now, I don't want to cut them down. Well, I guess it's not a good idea to cut them down now. Nope, not. Because I got, I got, I've been looking, and I've got, I got a ton of hummingbirds in the yard, and I'm sure I've seen hummingbird nests in there and stuff. When, when should I cut them down, and how much can I cut off of these trees? As soon as the leaves fall off or starts to turn color. Yep. And you trim as much as you want. Oh. Well, even right down to the ground. Yep. They'll start, they'll sucker up from the bottom again, right? But uh, but probably just cut them down to around six feet tall. Okay. Right? And then, yep. and then of course, you'll have less berries next year, right? The following year, you'll have lots again. Oh, perfect. Okay. Yeah. Here, here's another question, if, if you don't mind. Uh, I, it might be a little bit early, but... What are good plants to grow in your house over the winter time for greens? For greens, like you just do you want greens like something you can eat or something to eat? Yeah, you know, just to give you that extra because you know yeah, you're going to need a grow light in order to be able to do that. So if you can set up an area where you can put even like an under counter grow light or a little system like a little greenhouse where you can do that, but you can do any of your microgreens. Um, you can also do uh, lettuce, uh, kale does well, and any of your leafy herbs do well in the winter time. But you do need to supplement with a grow light, and the biggest thing too is that you're giving them consistent nutrients because yeah. they aren't. Getting the nutrients from the sunlight and the, you're watering them so frequently that all the nutrients are being flushed for the soil. So um, either if you have a grow light system with hydroponics, make sure you get the hydroponic fertilizer so that the, there's fertilizer going through that water or you have a regular fertilizing routine so that you can make sure that they're growing nicely for you. But yeah, you can do all I'm... your leafy lettuce, kale, um, basil, all of those ones will do great in, indoors and then your microgreens. So. Now, now, Paul, you have you're talking about indoors, but are you do you keep your greenhouse going all winter long? No. Okay. No. Yep. Yeah, no, because so just... it's a zero R factor with with the covering <laughs> that I have. So. Absolutely. But yeah. I would I would grab a few grow lights and set them up like even above the shelves, and you want to make sure that the grow lights are sitting close enough to the plants. So you're you'll be moving them up as they as they grow, but they can be sitting around four to eight inches away from the plant, and that's how you're going to get your maximum success. Yeah, because I'm seeing I'm seeing the price of, of greens now, and you just wait until winter. Like, oh yeah, I think we're going to see more and more of people having spaces in their homes, growing their own food indoors all year round. I'm also yeah. predicting that we're going to see probably this fall. You know, all those those canning jars, there won't be any left on the shelves either. Right, yeah. be a bunch of people who who have grown over this summer, and they're going to learn how to yeah, can once again. How to so can. it's yep. all coming back again, and yep. I'm seeing even Absolutely. groups pop up on social media where um, people are mentoring other people how to can, getting together yeah. in groups, bringing their harvest together, and actually um, learning how to do that. Good way. Thanks, Paul, for your question today. Thank you so much, yep. you guys. Take care. Have a great day. One eight seven seven three three two eight two five five. All right, so this is uh, a text we're going to go to right now. We got some time before we have our news update. So, hi, Garden Talk. This is Vern, who's in Humboldt. We have a ten foot Brandon Elm and a ten foot Schubert choke cherry planted a year ago and growing leaps and bounds. Can we this fall trim some of the new growth to give the trees better shape and become a fuller branched tree? How about in the years to follow? Yes, you can. Now you got to remember when you trim the top. You're gonna to have to you have to help a leader up because you don't want a wide leader. Okay, what I mean is wide, where you got two branches coming up and then you got a, a an angle going like a V. Okay? Yes. Okay. So it'd be, look like a with the bottom stem, it'll look like a Y, but I mean, be like a V. 
because those will be a weak one, okay? So what you have to do then is you have to trim one of them off and make one of them to be your new leader. Okay, mm, okay. That's, that's important because otherwise as they get older, those branches get bigger and heavier and that Y or V is going to be a weak spot in the tree and it'll just snap off on you. Or split down the or middle. Or split right down right. the middle. Big wind will come up and so be a big tree. So you can list. do that. There, a lot of times you can just leave the main leader alone and just trim the side branches all the way up to the leader, okay? You can do that as well, and then that way you'll get more branching happening. But both the elm and the tuber choke cherry, I mean, waiting until yep. fall? Yep. Now remember, elms and that, you, you want to prune from September, after September 1st, okay? Then you yes. start pruning the elm. Yes. Now you have to wait till then. There are rules with the elm trees. Otherwise, they'll bleed and they'll attract the elm beetle, which we don't want to do. Right, right. So okay. just make sure you're watching the vote for those. And trim this fall, and then you can be pruning it and trimming it every year, yep. right? Yeah, and the Schubert cherry, you should be pruning it anyways, watching over black knot and those kind of things, and uh, keeping that trimmed out as well. Right, okay. one eight seven seven three three two eight two five five. This is Darlene, who's in Saskatoon. Good morning. We've got a lovely carmine jewel cherry tree that is loaded with healthy-looking cherries. However, every cherry I picked has got a small white little maggot inside it. Oops. Yeah. What do I do to prevent that yeah. next year? Is there a spray or something, she asks? Yeah, you should start picking those berries now, okay, and then destroying them. Get rid of them. Oh, Some so people like, will even lay a tarp on the ground, yeah. and then the berries that do fall, they can collect them collect instead them. of the, the maggots going into the ground. So what happens ground. is a maggot goes into the ground, ground and then comes up next year as a fly and yeah. then lays his eggs again. Back right? in the cherries. Back in the cherries. And then you get the maggot and cherry. You get, yeah. So you get Yeesh. that happening. So you want, you want to pick them all right now, and of course you can eat them too. It's all protein, right? So, <laughs> but, oh my uh, goodness. But anyways, so uh, did, you ever watch fear, did you ever watch Fear Factor? I Rick mean, from the Outback right over here. <laughs> It's all protein. Okay, Dad. You're going to start doing that next time. I'm going to find an apple full of maggots. Be like, here, Dad, it's extra protein. <laughs> extra protein. Oh, I remember being, when I was in Columbia, the kids ate the mangoes. The mangoes were all full of these little worms. The kids were just yuck. eating them like crazy. Yuck, yuck, yuck. yuck. <laughs> okay, but anyways, she picks all the, for Darlene, she picks all the all the, the cherries this year. Yes. And then what, next year? Next That's year, it? put up some, uh, some, uh, some traps, basically. Uh, so you're putting some sticky traps into the tree or these f- fake apples and you put a tangle foot on them and it's sticky so the fly goes and lands on those wants to lay their egg on them and then gets stuck on them and can't lay their egg. So to prevent them from getting into the cherries next year. It's a tough one. It's a really tough one because you can't predict the time to spray. That's the big one. Gotcha. And tangle foot is basically a sticky substance yep. that you put on something that attracts them to it and yep. then they stick to it and then they can't move yep. throughout the tree. Hope it helps you, Darlene. We're going to get to more texts, Tom and Brian's call when we get back from the break. Right now, a news update for everybody. You're listening to Garden Talk on 650 CKOM and 980 CJME. Thanks for joining us in Garden Talk. Welcome back to the show. I'm Jay with Rick and Jill Van Dyven Dyke, and we're here to answer your questions. We've got texts here at one eight seven seven three three two eight two five five. We're going to get to those as soon as we can. We started talking this uh, the show about uh, kind of some camping experiences we had, and, and I was we were kind of going on about some pine tree stuff, the lodgepole pines out in Jasper Park where I was, and then the pine trees here, then the parking lot that are yeah. kind of doing a weird thing. So that I think uh, might have inspired Tom, who's out in Swift Current, with uh, his next question. Good morning, Tom. Good morning. Good morning. Hey, I had I had two beautiful red pine trees that were about fourteen feet tall. Yep. And during the winter, a moose came in and denuded them. Yep. There's there's maybe two branches with a little bit of green on each tree, yep. and the rest of the branches are kind of nipped off and no green. Do you think those will survive? Did they take Did he take all the bark off, or did he just nip the needles off? 
no bark. Cleaned all the needles right off. Okay, so as long as you left the bark, you, it'll it'll produce new new branches. Okay, uh, but if okay. he if he if he stripped off the bark off the branches, then it's done. Okay, but if the if he left oh, okay. the bark if he left the bark alone, then they'll they will produce new new needles. A lot of times in the national Very. parks, you'll see them put a fence around them, especially the younger trees, um, so that uh, so that they can get a chance and get to get established as yep. well. Because that moose will come back again next yep. year. He'll know it's there. Well, I'm going to have to put a fence up. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> Sounds good. Project. Very good news. Thank okay. you. Thanks, Tom. Take care. one 332 Before we go to that text line, we're going to go to Saskatoon here and talk to Bran, who's on the line. I think we're going into the vegetable garden, right, Bran? Uh, yes. Uh, thanks, guys. Good stuff as always. Um, I planted my radishes a little late this year, about middle of June. That's fine. In a couple of large above-ground uh, pots here, I've got them thinned out to about an inch and a half, two inches apart. Yep. And now the uh, radishes themselves aren't really growing that big, but some of the tops on them I got are getting to be darn near two feet high in their flowering. Would it help the growth of the radishes if I uh, uh, cut down those uh, tops a little bit? Uh, yeah. Thanks a lot, and I'll hang up listen to your answer. Yeah. <laughs> thanks very much, Brand. <laughs> Yeah, you can definitely trim those down a bit and, and get them to grow because what you've had is that with the moisture you give and the heat it gets, you're, you're causing a lot of top growth, right? Yeah, and they're and starting to bolt. Is they're, what they're bolting, doing. yeah. So you've got, you got perfect conditions. So make sure that when you when you are using your containers because you're most likely fertilizing, use an organic fertilizer which has a low nitrogen in it as well. Don't use your regular 20-20-20 and those kind of things because that will make them bolt as well. Or even a 15-30-15 will make them bolt. Mm-hmm. And so just use an organic vegetable fertilizer. Yeah. And it just has more of the micronutrients and just a lower phosphorus, potassium, and nitrogen. And if you look for one with kelp in it too, that really helps. And should he cut the tops down then or he, not really? He can trim the tops down so yeah. that, yes, that won't hurt him. He doesn't want to get rid of all the leaves because you need the leaves to produce the, the, the radish below. Right? But right. If they're so, starting to, he said some of them are starting to flower, so he yeah. can definitely take those flowers. Take, take yeah. it down. So bring yeah. it bring it down and then yeah. it'll put more of its energy back into the, yeah. into the, the root, the yeah. radish, yeah. <laughs> rather than just making leaves and flowers and things like that. Okay, great. 1-877-332-8255. That's where we're going to go to for the text line as well. Let's see, who's next? Uh, Kyle in Estevan says, hey guys, I've got a few two-year-old lodgepole pines. There we go. Going back to the pines again. And the new growth has started to turn yellow. We've had lots of rain so far this season. What's causing this? What can I do to help? He said new, right? Yes. Okay. Uh, It doesn't say how new, obviously. Well, it's two years old, and then then the new growth is turning yellow. Okay. So if it's turning yellow, then you've got it's a stress issue right so you're either too wet or too dry and you can't tell just because you look at the clouds in the sky and it rained a little bit uh i did that in my yard uh we had two really good rains and i'm putting sprinklers in right now going down two inches and it's bone dry right like bone dry and so my neighbors have all planted trees this year and and i'm driving by and they're turning yellow okay all the birches and their their maples are turning yellow and so I go into the yard and I take my little piece of rebar and I stick it down and I show them, do you see the root ball? It's bone dry. Mm. And they've been watering. Okay, but not watering enough. So just so there that case it was too dry, but if you've been over watering, it could be too wet and it'll make those tips turn yellow as well. You so can you also s- have pale tips as well from a nutrient deficiency too. That's correct. So especially if you have a really wet area, yep. that that water's leaching out the soil and you have no nutrients in there. So making sure you're fertilizing regularly. And then and then the, those pines they like to be more of a like the pines naturally grow more sandier type of soil. Mm-hmm. Right. Okay. Yes. 
and so uh, in Saskatchewan especially. So um, and so you want to make sure that you want to watch your pH of your soil for pines. They, they it's very important. You want it down around six point five to seven. Okay, and you can do that test at home with some distilled water and a little test kit. And you can check that out as well if to make sure. If it's too high, add some aluminum sulfate. Yeah, yeah aluminum sulfate. Because if it's, the pH is up around you know 8 or 8.4, then there's not, there can be all kind of nutrients there, and the plant can't take it up because the pH is too high. Right, so that could be a problem, but for Kyle, probably it's looking at the I water, would think, right? I would look at the water. Too wet or too dry, and you can't tell unless you actually probe the soil. Yeah, so and get, in the soil that you in the hole that you two place going to probe in the soil where you plant put the topsoil around the root ball. Yep, and you're also going to probe right into the root ball itself, close to the trunk of the tree. Yep, yeah. Okay, so okay. have a really good look at that, Kyle. Uh, and and you know then you can go if that's if it's if it is just the right moisture that it's, it's still nice it's, and moist but not too wet, not too dry. Then it's a pH thing. Yeah, mm-hmm. and if it's if it's too wet, then you're going to aerate. Poke a bunch of holes. Yeah, and if it's too dry, you know what to do. Linda in Saskatoon says, Hi, guys. My cucumbers and tomatoes are healthy. Plenty of blooms. Not producing. What's wrong? She might have a pollinating issue. So going around and being the bee and uh, taking a Q-tip or taking one of the blossoms off and rubbing it against the others um, will be really important to get some pollination going. Um, a lot it's, of- it's possibly live in a part of the city that there aren't a lot of bees, yep. right? If you're in a new part of the, of Saskatoon, say, uh, you're, you might have trouble with that, right? Yeah. Like at the lake right now where I am, we have some Saskatoons that are native bush. And uh, the, one of the neighbors, I had to basically chase him off a bit because he was in my patch of berries. And uh, it's, it's on it's on crown land, so it's not really my badge, but it's you know. <laughs> but, Another thing with but, that. But the reason why we have so many, he says that's the best batch in the whole, around the whole lake, and I, you know why it is because my neighbor right next to him has two beehives. Well, th- no kidding. And so they've been pollinating like crazy. Yes. So the yeah. other thing that you can do too is if you have squash or cucumbers and it's full of all these blooms, taking some of the blooms off is actually going to help you have some better fruit because then the plant's not putting all the energy into producing a lot Multiple of fruit. Multiple fruit, right. But you can produce just enough that's going to be really good and healthy for our short season. And, you know, big. You, you, exactly. Unless you, unless you do want little tiny mini cucumbers. Or a you know. ton of little zucchinis. Yeah. Yeah. If that's what you want. Okay. Sure. But. Like if I'm growing a big pumpkin, a lot of people will, who grow huge pumpkins, actually grow the plant and actually take maybe all except for three blooms and then concentrate on those three blooms right. those big pumpkins. Okay, there you go, Wanda. Hope that, or probably Linda. Linda. Wanda is the next text. So <laughs> here we go. one 332 8255 I have some Dianthus that bloomed this spring but have not continued to bloom. What would be causing that? Well, there's two types of dianthus. Uh, there's a perennial dianthus and then there's the annual dianthus. So depending on which one it is, if it's perennial dianthus, those ones bloom and then they finish blooming and they just start a nice, beautiful green plant for the rest of the summer. So you usually enjoy the blooms for about four weeks on those ones. Um, if it's an annual dianthus, um, it's probably uh, needing to reset. So those ones are a seed variety. So once they go to seed, you do need to deadhead them mm. or else they are an annual. So they their goal is to produce a flower, produce seed, and then die, and that's their life cycle. So deadheading them and fertilizing them to get them to rebloom. That's why a lot of us have moved from um, seed variety plants to hybrid variety plants, Mm, and then they just continually bloom over and over again. Um, so that's one thing to watch. Um, if you're fertilizing, I do a 15-30-15 fertilizer um, on my reblooming plants that I need to sort of give them a little bit extra um, phosphorus uh, 
to get them going again. Uh, okay. We're going to get to Kay's text, Julian Battleford, Dave and Regina, uh, Kelly, who's in Big River, June from Assiniboia. Lots to come. So stick around. They're all, all the answers are coming up here. one 332 8255 I'm Jay with Jill and Rick Van Diamond Dyke. This is Garden Talk on 650 CKOM and 980 CJME. So the first hour, just about over, but that's okay. There's two hours to this show today, of course. Welcome back to Garden Talk on 980 CGME and 650 CKOM. I'm Jay Thomas with Jill and Rick Van Dyvendyke, and we've got our text line open because that's where we're going to right now. Uh, this is an interesting one. This is Kay, who's in Regina, says she's been using the alfalfa pellets the last couple yep. of years to fertilize the garden, so I'm yep. assuming she's meaning that's the vegetable garden. garden. Yep. And the garden is really not doing any better than before. Mm. Yeah. So that's, that, that's interesting. So what I want you to do is just do a, you need to do a pH test. Then. Okay. Okay. Check the pH of the soil. And uh, so you can do that. Like I said, you can do the kit you can pick up at any local garden center. They'll have a test kit there. And then you just need to pick up some distilled water from a local pharmacy because you can't use your tap water. You'll just read throw, the pH of the tap. Yeah, you'll read the pH of the tap. So you got to use distilled water. And then just test the pH. And then that'll tell a big story about why your your plants aren't. So most likely you're really high pH, and in the greenhouse, Joe, what do we have to do? We can't grow plants if we with the city water in the spring, right? No, we can't. We yeah. we have to add stuff to we our fertilizer it. bucket. Yeah, we add stuff and we put an acid-based fertilizer, and we have to uh, be able to, in order to grow plants, we have to lower the pH. So it's very important. I right. will even find if the pH isn't right, I will have plants almost damping off more often too, yeah. and they are not soaking up the nutrients they need, yeah. and we're having other other health issues with and, the plants. And cedars and, and spruces turn brown more, like when you get the purple or the sun scalding or browning in the wintertime, it's usually because, you know, the soil is more alkaline, and that's when you have a more of an issue. When it's more of a lower pH, then you don't have that problem. Now, could it also be like, you know, there's nutrients coming out of the alfalfa pellets. Yep. Could there need to be more manure or compost or other things added to that garden uh, too? Well, I mean, the alfalfa pellet gives a lot of those type of micronutrients that she needs, but yeah, she might, she may need a bit of more compost or something like that in there too. But chances you, are, chances are that you just need to check the pH and uh, and then see what's happening because she should see a big difference now. Well, she's saying it's even kind of worse than before. No, that, that shouldn't so, happen. So that, then it's probably almost guaranteed to be a pH problem. pH problem. Um, and, and when you do the test kit, you can also get the test kit to check the NPK. So nitrogen, phosphorus, potassium, and pH. It's okay. a whole, all in one. Yes. And then you can check what's going on in your, in, in your, in your soil. And then, and then bring that back to a garden center and talk to the experts there and they'll be able to help you yep. how to amend it. Yep. Right. And what to get it, what to, what yep. get added to that soil so yep. you can get that excellent garden yep. again. Yeah, exactly. Okay. So take a, it has a little chart on the back of the, the, the test kit. Yeah. And then when you do the little jar, it has, it gets colored, right? And you match the color of, of the water that you're doing mm-hmm. in the soil and you match it to the chart Then take your phone and take a picture of it, right? And then now you can take that to a garden center saying that, okay, this is what it looks like according to the chart. Yes. Sticking a jar of water in your purse might be a little bit. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I had the water in here. It's all gone now. Now you got to be careful because some, some cameras don't do the coloring quite good as they do yeah. with the eyes, you know, so just make, just check it to make sure the coloring is right. Okay. Perfect. one 332 8255 This is, ooh, a long one. Okay. Who is this from? Julian Battle, Battleford. Um, she has a lawn problem. Problem with the grass. Grass is about 30 years old. Very sandy soil. Underground sprinklers. This year did Scott's fertilizer in the spring, then spread about an inch of uh, purchased lawn soil. 
have large brown patches in a lush green lawn. Regular watering, don't do anything else. Uh, takes a major inch of rain or more for those spots to green up. Not long before that, or not long after that, they go brown again. There's no dog around. And uh, the largest patch is about 12 by 12. Or ten by twelve. Okay, so so watch for sod webworms, insects. So you can dig up a patch of the turf, just a little bit of patch of the turf, right close to at the edge of where you're where you're having the brown spots right now. Mm-hmm. Check for that. There's so there's a couple of things to look for: is sod webworms or cutworms. Okay, especially the patch gets bigger and bigger and bigger. Works its way. So they out. make they make patches. They make patches. Okay. And the other one is uh, snow mold in the spring. There's a lot of snow mold problem this last year. I'm okay. I'm guessing though for for somebody like Julie who sounds like she's taking pretty good care yep. of her lawn yep. that we're past that problem yep. so, right so this part of the summer. So look for the if you do have the the cutworms or the sod webworms then you can use a product called uh, grub 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 out uh, nematodes. It's an it's another insect you're putting into your into your grass to be able to take care of those insects. And there and then you won't have a problem from the second insect. When yep. you apply those, you have to make sure that that the the grass is very moist, moist because otherwise they can't get down into the grass yeah, to get right. them and they can't move within the grass. So it has to be quite yeah. wet. You know, what's funny is when I came back from holidays, I actually had spots like square spots on my lawn and I was like, what's wrong with my lawn? I got all these patches <laughs> and the reflection off my windows have burnt square pack- patches in my lawn because it's south facing and just and it's, it's a two really story hot. house. It's a two story house. So it actually reflects onto my lawn. I got these little perfectly square <laughs> patches on my lawn. So, I mean, maybe that is a problem for Julie. You never know. We don't know what your place is looking like, but sounds like that it's, you know, it's yeah. going to be the sod yeah. worms or the, yeah. or some and, sort and of cut if, worms. And if it's also like streaks into the lawn, then what that could be is two things. One is your fertilizer spreader wasn't working right. And the other one is called, um, um, Oh no. It's Uh-oh. my mind just went Uh-oh. like Uh-oh. no, no. It's we'll called, catch you later with that one. <laughs> it, it's a disease, and um, and and it turns the blade sort of an, uh, a yellowy brown color. Okay. And uh, the Almost name will like come a to my. It's kind of? yeah, and so you need to just treat. You need to up the fertilizer to get rid of that. Right. Okay. So and and don't worry, don't think uh, Julie just because you did fertilizer once. I mean, you can do fertilizer kind of once a month. Well, yeah. in the summer. In the right? summer, if, uh, three, if, three times. Most people do it three times. Once in the spring. Once right about now. Yeah. And then once in the September again. Okay. And yep. if you use the groundskeeper fertilizer, which has a sulfur base, we talked about how good sulfur is. Yes. Uh, it's made in Saskatchewan, and then it'll help green up that lawn hugely. Sulfur and, and you can iron, use, right? And you can yes. use the same fertilizer. You don't have to change fertilizers. You don't have to have a spring, summer, and winter fertilizer. It's all the same. That's one right. thing nice about it. Right. So okay. look for that that one, uh, Julie, and then look for the cutworms or that. And you can find those yep. grub-out nematodes at garden centers. There's a little sprayer you use yep. for them that for comes them. with them. Yep. And uh, you water your lawn really well before you, before you start that. Uh, looks like we got like a minute to go here before we can go to our next break. Okay. Uh, Dave wants to know if someone said, someone said that white flour works on potato bugs. If not, what else can you use? We've heard all kinds of stuff for potato yeah. bugs, right? Potato bugs, probably the best one to use is, is uh, uh, bug X out, bug out X. Uh, it's, it's basically ambush. Um, that's probably the best one to use. Um, it's a pyrethrin, basically. And you spray it in the evening. If there's flowers out, you want to spray it in, spray them in the evening when the bees aren't around. And then you'll take care of all those things. We do talk about putting a crop cover on potatoes though, right? Yeah, you can. Does that work? Crop covers, yeah, you could put, that's a lot of, that's, the people usually have quite a few mounds of potatoes. That's a lot of crop cover, right? So, uh, if you just hit them once with the ambush, 
and you'll take care of them. And maybe once every 10 days with that. Yep. Okay, perfect. More texts to come and a question from Bill on the phones as well. We'll be back shortly. I'm Jay with Jill and Rick Van Dyvendyke. This is Garden Talk on 650 CKOM and 980 CJME. Welcome back to hour number two of Garden Talk. I'm Jay with Jill and Rick Van Dyvendyke. Welcome to this part of the show. We've got still time to get your call and your text in. We've got lots of text to get to. And sorry, we're making our way through them as quick as we can, but we'll get to your text as soon as we can. The, when the, when the calls come in though, we always go there first. So I think we're talking about, we're talking about vino, making some wine here because ah. what do you need for wine? You need some grapes. And Bill is on the line from Regina. Hi, Bill. Hi. Good morning. What's your question for us? Uh, my question, Rick, is, uh, I've got a, a bare spot in my garden that I don't really know what to do with. It measures about three feet wide by about 10 feet long. And I came up with the idea that maybe I'd like to plant or grow some grapes. Yep. Uh, grapes for eating. Yes. N- not for making wine. <laughs> I guess there's different varieties, but I just specifically wanted to, uh, to, for eating. Yep. Now, the grapes we grow in Saskatchewan are the Concord style grapes, so they're the yes. smaller type of grapes. Yes. And you can, you can eat them straight off the tree, you can make jams or jellies, you can make wine out of them, there's different types. That's exactly what I'd like. Yep. So. Is the, there, is there different colors like red and white? Yep. White? Yep. There's some purple ones and there's some white ones. Yes. Uh, there might be some, I haven't seen a red one yet, but it's mainly red, uh, sort of a darker purple color. That, that's what I would like is the yeah. purple. And then you want to go with ones called Valiant or Beta. Those are the two, uh, and if you, or if you call one called Blue Bell, that's a great one too. It's a little bit bigger, okay? If you can find okay. that one, it's a little harder to find, but, okay. but you'll find lots of around is the Beta and Valiant. Lots okay. of grapes on them. Uh, you just, uh, they do have a little bit of a different taste than the ones in the grocery store. They're a little yeah. bit, um, a little bit drier tasting, I would say, or sharper yeah, okay. tasting. It depends, depends when you pick them. Yeah. I mean, uh, you, you, you want let them get yeah. them really ripe. You get on them the a little vine. bit riper, and they get. And there's some. And there's some. Uh, there's some pinot ones, and there's some white, whiter ones, and everything else. So there's yeah. there's different ones. But if you uh-huh. want the dark ones, uh, you'll find for sure the beta and the valiant around. Now just beta? make sure beta and valiant. Now make sure you get a couple of you know put a. You'll need to put one about every two and a half to three feet. Okay. If you want lots of grapes, yeah. and then put at least two different varieties in. Okay. Oh, okay. And then you get good cross pollinization. You'll get way better fruiting. Okay. Okay. Yeah. Important. Okay. So just don't put all bettas. Put some bettas. Or just one plant. Or just one plant. Yeah. Oh, okay. Because one plant would eventually cover that trellis, right? Yeah, but but I mean, if you put like you said, ten feet long, right? If you put yes, if you, it's about ten, maybe yeah. eleven, twelve. Yeah. So if you put three along there, yeah, even a fourth one, then you'll get it to fill in really quick. Okay. And you'll have lots of grapes. Lots of grapes. Okay, sounds great. Okay. Uh, now, where can I buy these? You can get them any garden center. Uh, usually, we'll hand, handle those. Any garden center you you want to go to. Okay. Um, where are you from again? Regina. Regina, yeah. yeah. So the Dutch Course in Regina has them there. Oh, okay. I'm sure the other garden centers have them there yeah. as well. So, yeah. But uh, they'll have them in stock. They're common and they've been around for a long time. Yeah. yeah. Oh, okay. If okay. not, come visit us in Saskatoon. Yeah. Yeah, well, I would. I would, you know, if I can't find them here, I'll come to Saskatoon. No, absolutely. No, you, you'll find them. Most, you will. Most garden centers will have them just because it's a fairly yeah. popular plant. Yeah. Okay. You just need, yeah. a tre- you need to put a trellis up, though. Oh yeah, okay. that's uh, yeah. This this uh, s- uh, spot runs parallel to my fence. Okay, 
Perfect. But uh, I would put a, a trellis up. Yeah, or Because I don't want them climbing on my fence. Okay, yep, put a trellis up, and you'll have to keep them back. Leave some space between the two. Yes. Because they'll reach over and grab hold of your fence and crawl <laughs> your fence, too. Okay. Okay. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Yeah. Have fun. Uh, I was thinking of uh, growing uh, uh, strawberries there. Yep. But the only strawberries that I would grow there would be the ones from Porter's La Prairie. Okay. They are well known for their strawberries there. Do you know the variety? Uh, no, that's okay. that's one thing I don't know. If you ever find out, let let us know. Yeah. One of my favorite varieties to grow is an everbearing variety called Seascape, and it has a very nice large um, large berry on it. It's hardy, and uh, you'll get lots of berries on them. So if you're wanting to try something new, a Seascape strawberry is great e- for you. Seascape. C as in the C. S e a s c a p e. Oh, okay. Seascape. Okay. Perfect. Good. Thanks. Okay. Thanks for your call today, Bill. Okay. Thank you very much. Take okay. care. Bye. 1-877-332-8255. And we've got time, I think, here to go to our next caller, who's also in Regina. And James is out there. Hi, James. Hey, um, I recently picked up some ferns and hostas from you guys, and I'm just, they're going to be in a windy, cold spot in my yard, and I'm just wondering what I can do to protect them for the winter as far as what I should do to mulch them and just make sure they come up the next year strong and whatnot. Yeah, if they're in a, an area that's not much shelter, you might even want to, for the first couple years, even just get a cardboard box and fill it with leaves or put some extra mulch around the plant. Um, that will definitely help. I wouldn't cut them back in the fall. I would wait till the spring to do that, just so that you can have some more leaves on there to protect the plant as well. And if it's really windy there, what you can do is put up something that will catch the snow. You know, a little tiny snow fence or anything, just something plugged down there so it'll catch the snow, so the snow will stay there, not just, you know, the wind whip it out of there. You know, that that's the big one. If you get you, the snow... The snow is our best insulator, yeah. so... Yeah, or even piling it up when you're shoveling it, right? Just yep. piling it on yep. top of that Well, plant. be careful of that because you got salt. If you got salts in your, from your piling up from your sidewalk and that, you'll, right. you'll kill the hostas. Mm-hmm. Perfect. Okay. Thank you, guys. Okay. Thanks, James. Yep. Take care. Bye-bye. One eight seven seven three three two eight two five five. Okay, text line time. Here we go. Uh, just where are we going? Kelly in Big River. Good morning. What can I? When can I trim tree branches from birches, pines, maple trees? And she says pulp. I'm not sure what she means by pulp, but is there a pulp Pop, tree? Probably poplar. Poplar tree. Sure. <laughs> okay. So right now. Right now, ah, right now, absolutely. Oh, the maples—they're—they're—they're done their main growing right now. Like, and so now you can give them their pruning. Maples, birches, July into July fifteenth. I always say July fifteenth, right through to September fifteenth is when you want to prune those birches and maples and pines. So, are it, you best to prune them in the morning or the afternoon, or does it matter? Doesn't Hot matter. day, cool day. Doesn't matter. It, it, if you go on a really hot day, make sure you got some beverages for yourself. <laughs> <laughs> Super important. Make Super sure important. you stay hydrated, you right? Stay hydrated, yeah. Exactly. Okay. one yeah. 332 8255 June from Assiniboia says she wants to know if Top Gun Safer Weed Killer yes. in the white and orange label is yep. okay to use on cut shoots on trees. Yes. Uh, suckers. Yes. Suckers. Yeah. Absolutely. Top Gun works awesome. Okay. The other one is Roundup Advance. They it's in the orange bottle orange again. Orange bottle again. Not the blue one. Not the blue one. Not the regular not the Roundup. It's called Roundup yeah. Advance or Top Gun. Uh, Top Gun Saver, yeah. Weed Killer, and yeah, White those, and Orange. Those are the two you can use. They don't translocate into the tree. They just burn off the suckers. Don't let the suckers get very tall. 
I always say, you remember, you're going to go mow your lawn once a week. Go around and hit the little tiny leaves that are popping out of the ground and spray them then. Don't let them get tall. Mm. And then, then you'll be able to control. Because remember, these products are controls. They're not cures. Oh, right. Okay? Yes. Uh, let's get one more text in before we go to the break. Uh, good morning. It's Rudy from Swift Current. I've got uh, three tomato plants. Don't know the kind. Um, my niece planted them in a daycare. <laughs> but they, I have them in a pot, and they're three and a half inches tall and haven't flowered yet. Why would that be? Watering them daily, about a gallon. They're in direct sunlight. Also got foxtail growing in my lawn, so that's sort of a separate question. Let's start with the tomatoes. Now, the tomatoes, it could be um, that the there's the... Sometimes it's not the right soil that you have in the pot, too. So if the soil is too heavy and it's just garden soil and you put a tomato in a pot, it's not going to be able to get the root system developed for the plant to stay nice and healthy. So make sure you're watering it regularly. Use a light fertilizer when you're planting vegetables in a pot. You want to use a soilless potting mix. Um, and then the other thing, too, is you want to make sure you're fertilizing often. So once a week, once every two weeks, um, depending on how much you're watering, will be really important. If and, the, and a calcium-based one, too. He said the plant is only how tall right Three, and I always said three and a half feet. I'm sorry, not three and a half oh. inches. Three and a half feet tall. Okay. But hasn't flowered. Hmm. I, I would say that it probably just maybe is lacking a little bit of, of sunlight or also nutrients. Also, three and a half tall is probably uh, um, it's probably uh, an indeterminate indet variety. Indeterminate variety, which is more of a vine type. So you, you probably can need do some pinching, pinching and pruning. So where yeah. the leaves come out on the side, you'll also see in between the branches a few smaller sucker leaves coming through the middle of the, that sort of Y section. Mm. Pinch those out and pinch some of the other leaves out. It will put more energy into instead of producing the leaves of the plant into producing the flowers. Okay, there you go. Sometimes uh, you need to stress the plant just a little bit to say, okay, I need to produce it. Just like we talked about other plants, they when they, like these spruce trees. When they're stressed, they produce lots of cones. Right. Okay. And fruit is how it reproduces. Yes. Yeah. The other thing is, is it came from a daycare. You don't know how, what variety it is. Some of the heirloom varieties have like 120 to 140 days until they produce fruit yes. on them. And these are indeterminate varieties. So they'll just keep growing up and up and up. They're vining varieties. So maybe he's got a variety that's just going to take a long time to produce and you'll be getting some late into late. September, October. Yep. Okay. That's not so bad either. Uh, foxtail growing in the lawn. I've been overseeding all summer, just recently sprayed with par three. Will par three take care of foxtail? Um, probably not. Probably not. Okay. Um, though we're going to watch foxtails because they're, when they go to seed, they're not great for your pets, okay? If yes. they get into their throats and everything else. So, uh, But otherwise, you might just have to pull them, or you might have to do some little tiny spot spraying with some Roundup. Or like you've talked about before, getting a glove, right? Yep. yep. And, and wiping it onto that yep. plant by take, itself. Or just taking a little trigger sprayer and going right at the base of the plant so you're not hitting a big white patch, just right at the, at the base of the plant. Gotcha. Okay, we're going to take a quick break. We've got Ron... Peggy and Robin, all coming up. Guys, hang on the line. We'll be back to your calls as soon as we get back. I'm Jay with Rick and Jill Van Dyvendyke. This is Garden Talk on 650 CKOM and 980 CJME. It is off to the phone lines here in Garden Talk right now. I'm Jay with Jill and Rick Van Dyvendyke. Thanks for joining us today. And we've got lots of calls and lots of texts, so we're going to keep going with the conversation. And I think we're starting here at the top with the person who's been waiting the longest out to Prince Albert right now to talk to Robin. Hello, Robin. Hi. Good morning. You want to talk about grapevines as well, is that correct? I do, yeah. Listening to your talk about grapes made me think about my grapes, yep. and they're fairly overgrown and need to be pruned, but I've never really known how to tackle that. I've got two vines about on about a 10-foot fence, actually. Yep. So what you can do right now is, you know, on, on the sunny side, you can just leave them alone, but on the shady side, you can actually trim some of the leaves out a little bit and make it a little more open and more airy. And okay. that'll let light in and be able to get more fruit in those areas, okay? And then what you can do is if it's starting to get overgrown is that this, this fall, 
mm-hmm. or early next spring, like in the beginning of April, you can do a major pruning, like cut them down in half. And okay. then, and then, do I just t- cut right off the vine and just pull it right off the fence? Yep, pull it right off the fence. And it'll grow back and the same year, it'll right? It'll grow right back the same year again. So I can cut it back fairly aggressively? Fairly aggressively. If you've ever been to the vineyards, they usually cut them down to about three feet off the ground, right? And okay. so you can cut them right down. If yours, depending on how high your trellis is, you can cut them at least in half. It's not a problem. Okay. Okay. And then just okay. take all that old old branchy vines off and because and, they'll, they'll produce better on new woods, right? So then you'll get a lot more production the next year as well. Okay. Okay. Good to know. Good. All right. You're Thank welcome. you very much. Thanks, Robin. Take right. care. Bye-bye. 1-877-332-8255. Snowden right now as we were going to talk to Peggy. Hi, Peggy. Hi there. Where's Snowden? Where is Snowden? Rick wants to know. Yeah. Where is that close Hi. to? Uh, Snowden is between Choiceland and Smeet, northeast of Prince Albert. Oh, yeah. Okay, great. Hey, thanks for calling yep. us. You want to talk about some fruit trees? Right. I bought two free tr- fruit trees, one an apple, one a plum, but they're the ones that have the multiple varieties on them. That's correct. Anyway, when we planted them oh, a couple of years ago, we put a fence, we, we got a fence up, but not soon enough, and the deer came into the yard and kind of help themselves to the leaves and whatnot. Yep. And now this year I do have about three shoot, uh, like three branches that are produced like blooming and healthy, but the others are not. And I'm wondering, do I cut them off or do I just trim them back? If, if, they're, if you scrape the bark with your fingernail or a little, little paring knife or whatever, and you see it, if you just make a little nick and they're, they're green underneath the branches, right. they may still come. But if they haven't, if they, are there any leaves on them at all or just all no. just dead sticks? Just dead sticks. Yeah, if they're dead sticks, most likely they're, they're done. Okay, They should have leafed out by now. It's, it's almost August, right? right? So yeah. you can trim so them cool. back. You can trim them back. Um, the only bad deal is that is is that you probably will lose that variety of tree that was on that stem. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So now you'll but be down. Now so you'll be down to you know less. If you had four varieties, you'd be down to three or two rather than right. four. Right. Okay. So trim them back. So yep. do I cut them fairly close to the main stalk yeah. or not? Watch. You got little tiny what they call the collar. Little tiny little almost like little rings right around. Okay. Just when you cut, leave those rings on. Cut right next to the rings, but leave those. It's like a little stub out off the main okay. trunk, and it's right. it's called it's yeah. You just leave that on there because if you trim those collars off, then it can rot right inside the stem, and you don't want to leave a long stick out either. Okay, because right. that that can let rot right into the main stem as well. Okay. So, so trim right at the, just at the collar. Okay. Okay. All right. Thank you very much. You're Thanks, welcome. Peggy. Take care. Have a great day. You Bye. too. one 877 And in fact, we're going to talk to Glenn right now about uh, taking care of, of those fruit trees as well. So hi there, Glenn. How are you? Good. How are you doing? Pretty good. Good. Lovely show. Thank Listen you. Listen to you every Sunday. Um, anyway, so I got a couple plum trees and a couple apple trees. So when's a good time to cut them back? They're about eight feet high, and but they're stretching out. Yep. And they don't seem to be... Oh, well, the apple trees got some fruit on them now. But and a few plums. Yeah, uh, if you so, want to do if like, you want to do a major pruning, I like to do I like doing mine in the fall. Okay, okay. right after they drop the leaves, as okay. soon as they drop the leaves, or I'll also do it in the first week of April. And how far should I cut them back? Like they're stretching out, they're getting pretty wide. Like yeah. they're probably, like I said, eight feet tall, and probably they're getting over almost eight feet wide. Yeah, like they're just branching take, out. Take a third back. Okay, one third back. Not a problem. 
Yeah. And also just thin some of the branches out, right? Yeah. So that okay. you get more, any crossing branches for sure, any, any water sprouts, the branches that come out of the main trunk and grow straight up through the middle of the tree. Yeah. Trim those off and any suckers at the base of the tree, obviously. But, and then and there's just, lots of suckers coming out, like, like wee little ones coming off the sides. So I just clip those yep. off. Clip those off. Yeah. Yeah, not okay. a problem. Right and, and those ones you can do all summer long. Those little oh, ones off the side. Anytime. Those one, those little suckers there, coming there, up the side. Like there is some plums coming now, and there's a few apples coming. So I, I, yep. I said to the wife, I, I don't think we should trim it now. No, I mean some, some of the little suckers as they come out, and they're just young. You could yep. trim them off because they have no apples or anything on them anyway. Right, so I wait till the tree, the tree goes dormant. Yeah, that I always trim mine in, in basically in the end of October, and then okay. that's when I have time. That's I don't have time. In, I don't have time in the spring, so I trim mine in the fall. Okay. And, and uh, I just wanted to mention one tip because I, <laughs> I listen to you guys. Everybody's talking about potato bugs. Oh, yes. Yeah. Because yep. we had a major problem with the potato bugs. Perfect. And uh, marigolds worked like for one year because my wife works at, at a greenhouse, but yep. she didn't this year. So, you know, and you talked about putting a sliced onion in with a potato. Yep. So this year we planted uh, three potatoes and an onion. Three yep. potatoes and an onion. We planted 160 hills. I don't have one potato bug. Amazing. Wow. There you go. I love it. 160 hills. You're going to have potatoes coming out your ears pretty soon. <laughs> well, we, we give them out to family and whatever. <laughs> well, but I couldn't find a potato bug. So that so if, the if onion works. Else, if that works for them, it worked for me. So it's not so. just a slice of onion in the ground. You're talking about actually putting an onion plant in between yep, the potato onion plants. Plant. Onion plant. Excellent. Yep. Excellent. Three potatoes, the, the, onion. Three it's, potatoes, onion. Yeah, it's called companion planting, and it, it does work, okay? So planting so, different plants with each other makes a big difference. So, I don't know. Just a tip for somebody else. I'm not a professional like you, but it worked for me. So. <laughs> awesome. Thanks Sounds for like, sharing. I th- love thanks it. Thanks for sharing that. That's really good. That's fantastic. You guys have a good day. Thanks, Glenn. Take care. Bye. Sounds like some pretty good ingredients yeah, for then, some pierogies, then too. You're not, then you're not wasting onions, now right? You're, you're not slicing an onion up, right? That's right. Now you're planting an onion. Yeah, and you've got three sets of potatoes. Yep. And an onion. onion. So you got the ingredients for your pierogies. There you go, right there. <laughs> Potato and onion pierogies. There you go. You just have 10,000 pierogies with that many onions, that many hills. <laughs> so I'm inviting you over to help uh, make, make there pierogies. There you go. That's very cool. Okay, one eight seven seven three three two eight two five five. We got a break coming up right away. We're going to get Mary and Ron to hang on. Guys, thanks for your patience. Uh, we're going to get to your calls as soon as we get back from our break here. We'll just see if we can get to one more text answered. Um, this is nice and simple. Marie in Regina says, love your show. Can I trim my global cedars? that are two to three feet too high right now. Yeah, two to three feet too high. Yeah, you can trim them now. Now is the time you can actually do some trimming on them. But remember the globe cedars, you can only trim until you still see green. Yes. If, if you trim them you so tr- that trim you, back just, three you, feet. you got sticks left... It, it's done. It, it won't come back. That's right. Okay. So if you want to go back three feet, there better yeah. be three feet yeah. worth of otherwise, green. Otherwise, it's called the truck and a chain. And then pull it out and plant a plant that only gets as big as you want. Like it was a little giant? Little giant or the midget het cedars. They only grow about two to three feet tall rather than a woodwardy globe cedar, which grows six feet tall. Yeah, so you or have bigger. Pick, you might have to pick the right one. So it's really hard to bring it back that far. Okay. Gotcha. Thanks, Marie, for the text. More coming up right away. You're listening to Garden Talk on 980 CJME and 650 CKOM. Thanks for joining us in Garden Talk. We're having fun. Hope you are too. Beautiful uh, forecast coming up again. Lots of summer on the way. We might see a little bit of uh, rain around the province, different parts of the province tonight, maybe tomorrow. That's it's a possibility. Around like 8 o'clock. It's supposed to start something, raining. Something right? like that, maybe. It's been yeah. kind of nice. Some of the rain's been coming in the evening, you know, and it's been really good. Perfect. Just the, no hail. The crops look amazing <laughs> around Saskatoon area. Like you drive south of Saskatoon. Yeah. 
They just look amazing. They do. Yeah. They're no definitely Hale some places. says the classic car guy. Well, right? That's the thing. Yeah. I don't have my car wrecks or my house. But you know what? What we haven't had or what I haven't experienced this summer is a really good lightning storm. Have you guys mm-hmm. had one of those yet? Yeah, uh, we've had there like, a couple. Be on the country week. where I am. We can you sit there and and you sit on the deck at nighttime and you can see some big thunder in the distance. Like there was one, I guess there was a, even a tornado up by the Allen, Saskatchewan yep, in the last right. week or so. Well, that lightning storm in the in the, in the background it was just bang, 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 bang. Yeah, it's quite something. I want a thunderstorm, but just don't want any hail. Yeah, I think everybody's with me with that. Yeah. Got to thank Ron uh, for hanging on and Mary as well. We're going to go to Denzel, Saskatchewan right now and talk to Mary. Hello, Mary. Hi. Good morning. Good morning. Um, I have a question for you. I had put in a hazelnut tree probably about 15 years ago. It's never grown, grown more than three feet, and it seems like every year any of the the top probably three, four, five inches of the growth from the previous year just dies right off, and then I've got all these suckers everywhere. Is this, is there anything I can do about this, or is it, do I just try and make this into a bush or what do you suggest? Yeah, you'll probably make it into a bush. Most of the hazelnuts we have around here, there's one, there's two different types, the American hazelnut and the beaked hazelnut, okay? That's the two varieties that are the most hardy for Saskatchewan. And um, and they will tend to be more bushier than the trees, okay? Okay. And so uh, that's just their, their nature. And uh, they do need a little bit of shelter as well. And yeah. so then you might just get in some tip kill during the wintertime. And so that's and you uh, if you want better production, get two different two different varieties as well. Okay. okay. Then you'll get better production as well. I've never got anybody only have the one. Okay. Yeah. You, if you get a second one, mm-hmm. you'll have way better. Pro- you'll get the production of the hazelnuts. Okay. Okay. And then just leave it as a bush. Yeah. Just leave it more of a bush. Because <laughs> I'm just kind of fighting fighting with it then. Yeah. No. I I sell them as a as a shrub. I don't sell them as a tree or anything. I sell them as a shrub. Okay, I have one more question. Yep, sure, yeah. Um, a couple of years ago, I got some really good advice from you in regards to my half caps. You had said to cut it right down to about a couple of feet yep. or a foot. And I did that, and last year it came back really well. This year it's six feet tall and really produced. Um, when could I, instead of cutting it right back, can I just kind of trim it in the fall? Yeah, absolutely. Just give it a light pruning. Thin it out a little bit. Okay. You know, and just give well, it a light pruning. Or if you want to go down to three feet or yep. four feet instead of six, you yep. can do that too. And, and right? you know what? The new growth, as it grows in the summertime, if it's getting too full, the yeah. new growth you can trim as the summer goes along. You can trim it. I like It's a honeysuckle variety. Right. I mean, I used to sell one that was called Sweetberry Honeysuckle. It had the berries on it, but it didn't taste very good. Right. And we used to sell that as a hedge, and people used to trim it like a hedge three or four times a summer. Okay. So just doing some light pruning, you can do that all summer long. Any major pruning, do it when it's dormant. It's just that I'm finding if it gets any taller, I won't be able to get the netting over it. Yeah, no, keep it. You know, for against the wax yep. wings in the spring. Yeah, keep it every, every every once in a while. Give it a good trimming. You know, every three or four or five years, but then uh, years in between. Uh, thin because otherwise if you keep doing pruning at just the top yeah. it's going to thicken up big time inside right yeah. and you won't get the light inside and everything else so also just thin out the inside as well a bit okay okay yeah because it's it's pretty bushy yeah yep, not a problem <laughs> sounds like just a couple more years you can do that big prune again yep. yeah yeah because keep... it, it's it's six feet tall and it's yep. probably six feet so, wide too right so, now. so take, <laughs> Lots one, of take one or two feet off the top okay good thank you okay thanks yeah. mary take care okay bye
All right, one eight seven seven three three two eight two five five. Let's talk in less talk. One of our friends is joining us, Ron. Hi, Ron. How are you? Oh, good. <laughs> uh, I get a friend with. Uh, I, th- I think it's portulaca, a little hideous weed yep. that yep. you have to pick every molecule of it up. Yep. Very <laughs> gross. Yeah. Now, if I took a straw to him, like grain straw, and put a big layer, a four or five inch layer of straw in between the rows, yep. would th- that smother it out? Uh, it will, but then if you put grain straw, you're going to get all kinds of other weeds that'll be growing in your garden, right? That come with the grain straw. Well, they're not usually as hideous as portulaca. Yeah, no. That, yeah, any, That's true. Any, any type of ground cover will keep the portulaca from coming up. Yeah, it stops you, the light from getting. Yeah, to the if soil. you put a mulch down or anything like that, uh, the only problem, like I said, with straw is usually usually it brings weed seeds with it, but also brings rodents with it sometimes too, right? Mm, yeah, so, he, he lives right in town, so. Yeah. Enough cats wandering around. Yeah, yeah that's true. Yeah. And that's true. That any anything like that. Uh, even some people put down newspapers and they do they do uh, bark mulch, whatever. Uh, the grass clippings. If you put a thin layer of grass clippings down, but if you put it too thick, they actually heat up and they actually bring out molds and everything else. So that's not a great thing to put a big thick patches of it down. But okay. you can use anything to mulch the soil will help keep the portulaca away. And. He noticed that his ground was pretty hard, um, like in the heat in the spring, yep. it would kind of turn into a brick and the yep. seeds couldn't push out. Now, working that straw in, would it loosen up his soil yep. also? Absolutely. Yeah, so okay. it'll keep the weeds down now, and then it'll get Absolutely. mulched in and fertile, or, uh, yep. rototilled in next spring. And portulaca like hard, harder soil, too. So. Oh, good. Yep. No, so that, that'll work that in perfectly. Worth a try, then. Absolutely. Okay, thanks. Okay. Thanks, Ron. Take care. Okay, bye. One eight seven seven three three two eight two five five. I think we can squeeze in one more caller. They don't have to wait to the next break. Going to Choice Land right now. Hi, Tom. How are you? Not too bad. How are yourself? Pretty good. Pretty good. Yeah, hey, I was just wondering. I know we talked about it, or you did before on your show about that fish fertilizer. So it's good to use on anything. Yep. Fish fertilizing you use on anything, your vegetables, your shrubs, your trees, your grass, doesn't matter. It works the only good. thing is it's a very mild fertilizer. So if you're using it on your hybrid annuals that are heavy, heavy feeders, it's probably not going to be enough, enough. fertilizer yep. for those um, because you're watering so frequently. But any of your but other a, plants... But a great supplement, perfect. even for the lawn, mm-hmm. if you're using a regular lawn, you know, or in your shrubs, you're using a regular 30-10-10, you can also put the fish fertilizer as a supplement because of all the other micronutrients in there. Absolutely. And then uh, I had another question for you. Sorry, you. Yep. Uh, back in the day, um, my uncles and my dad or whatever used to uh, make wine. They used to call it a sandberry. Now, did, did, yep. uh, have yep. you heard of that? Yeah, the, the sand cherries. The sand cherries is a, it's a, so like a bigger choke cherry. That's what it looks like. And you can make wine out of that. Lots you can make lots of wine out of that. It works really good. And it comes when you buy a sand cherry. It's called a Western sand cherry for Saskatchewan. It, it's more of a shrub form. It's not a tree, and uh, gets bigger berries and they're dry like a choke cherry. But you can make lots of jams, jellies, wines, all that kind of stuff. And a nice pink bloom in the spring. Yep. Yeah, it's because I remember them. I remember as a kid that they used to. Um, kind of grow along uh, in the field there along um, the side of the trees. Yeah, yeah. That, that's the, 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 old, the old choke cherries there, and they used to make uh, lots of those kind of jams and jellies and wines and everything else out of those. Absolutely. But the shrub form is called the western sand cherry. A western sand cherry. Yep. 
Uh, okay, because that's what they used to call it, and I never heard anybody talk about them yep. again. So, nope. yep, nope. yep, still available. Still you available. Yeah, they used to grow wild. So, oh yeah, yeah, there would have yep. been a wild version of that for sure. Yep. Yeah. Okay. Well, thank you very much. You're and welcome. I really appreciate your show, and and uh, have a good week or a good day. You, you too. Yeah, you too. Thanks for listening, Tom. Take care. One eight seven seven three three two eight two five five. I think we're going to take a quick break here. We got the lightning round coming up next for our text line. All the texts we haven't got to yet, and there's a good number of them. We're going to get those answered as soon as we get back. I'm Jay with Rick and Jill Van Dyven Dyke. This is Garden Talk on six fifty CKOM and nine eighty CJME. It is the lightning round here on Garden Talk on 650 CKOM and 980 CJME. Uh, we're going to get to the text, but we got calls that come in, so we got to go there first, of course, which is just great. Saskatoon, we're going to talk to Gord right now. Hi, Gord. Hi. I'm just wondering what daffodils would be like on a south side uh, flower bed that doesn't get watered too often. Um, daffodils will do fine. Um on a south side, just remember that daffodils are not hardy here in Saskatchewan, so you do have to lift the bulbs and store them for the winter. Okay, is there anything else that might be? Um, on the south side, there's lots of perennials that will bloom. You could use daylilies, you could use coneflower. They will give you lots of color. And I- irises, the- irises too. Irises will we'll do well. That. Uh, um, sedum, sedum a perennial. Autumn joy sedum has a yep. great flower in the in the fall. So if you go through a sunny section in your garden center, there'll be lots of great options. But I would go to the perennial department in the in the garden center rather than the bulbs. Um, they'll just bloom longer for you and you'll have more substantial plant um, all season long. Plus, once they get a good root system, they will pull from some moisture lower down yep. in the in the, yeah. in the you, you will soil. Need, you will need to water them by hand just to get them established, though. That's the big one. Oh, yes. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Thanks very much. And, and even a bit of mulching that area will help retain moisture as well. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Thanks. Thanks, thanks Gord. Yep. Take care. One eight seven seven three three two eight two five five. Good Eve in I think it's Good Eve, Saskatchewan. Is that correct? Hi, Alice. How are you? Hi. How are you? Good. Um, I've got um, a winter garlic variety planted, and they're starting to send seeds, but the bottom parts are turning yellow, and some of the bulbs are actually rotting. Is there anything I could do, or how do I prevent that from happening? Well, if they're rotting, you want to watch whether you got a maggot going into them or not. That'd be one thing to watch for, just like an onion maggot. You might get one in the garlic. So ch- okay. dig one of them up and see whether you've got any insect in there. And so if that's the case, then you're going to have to do a crop cover over top of them in the spring, okay, before the flies come. Okay, that'll be, that'll be critical. And, um, and then, because that could be why they're, they're, they're rotting out and for you. But you can op- pull one up and then op- dissect it and see whether you got the little maggots inside. That'd be the well, first we one. Well, we have not seen any maggots in any of the rotting ones. So okay. I, uh, so how's your, mo- uh, the next one is moisture. Okay, watching your your moisture, whether too wet or too dry. Okay, that's the one. But if it, a lot of times it's too wet, if you're getting rotting happening. Um, the other one, uh, about how would you, any ideas, Jill, on that one? Most likely, I would see if they're if they're starting to turn yellow, it's too much moisture, yeah. and uh, so aerating the soil around it, just trying to get some air into there, would be the best thing. Um, and then next season, you might even want to dig them up and add a little bit of sand um, to the soil, yep. um, or like a not, sharp yeah, sharp, sand, sharp sand. Sorry, yeah. not a sand um, sand a sharp sand to the soil, which is like a little bit of a sh- uh, sharper rock, and uh, that will help with some drainage in the area as well too. Even gypsum looks good for that. Yeah, or mounding around your plant so that when it rains. The rain's running away from the plant instead of instead of right down. That works too. Oh, right. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Those are excellent ideas. We were thinking it was more of a 
fungicide or something like that? Yeah. Or? And what you can do is you, when you plant, you can, oh, no, I don't know if you can. Uh, like on other bulbs, you can put a bulb dust, but if it's a food crop, you can't use that bulb no, dust, okay? No, you don't want to use the bulb dust So the best thing to do is to keep them healthy and uh, make sure your your, your soil is well-drained. And um, and also just, you know, putting some bone meal with them to help, to help keep them healthy. Now, you did say your fungus, your word, it was going to be that. You It, it can be, be that, but what you need to do is eliminate the problem that's causing that, which is usually too much moisture. Yep. I think it's too much, uh, too much moisture yep. this year. Yep. Uh, well, thank you so much for your wonderful ideas. Okay. Thanks, Alice. Thanks. Take care. Thanks for the call. one 332 8255 into right now to talk to, with Ian about some geraniums. Hi, Ian. Hi, good morning. Good I've morning. got six ger- um, geranium plants. They're hanging baskets, and I've, I've watered and treated them all the, exactly the same all year. But for what I, I don't know why three of them have nice blooms and everything's fine. The other three, I've lost all. Well, one has no flowers. The other one has or the other two have one each, and it's because I've take, picked those off, like you know, snapped them off. Because those three have all gone to, like I Googled it, they're long, long seeds. I have no idea why three would be going to seed, if that's what those spikes are, and the other ones are fine. Are they all the same variety? Um, well, the tags say so, but I... Um, did they come no, as hanging back? They- actually, that's a, that's a, now that I think about it, the three that have done that are all red. Yeah. Because what what I'm wondering is um, when you bought them, maybe they got they mixed like some hybrids with some seed varieties, and so the seed varieties they tend to go to seed, and then they they stop blooming for a period of time over the summer. Whereas some of the the hybrid or zonal varieties will have stronger, um, fuller blooms. Um, what you can always do is you can email us at with a picture at info at dutchgrowers.com, and then I can have a better look at them and I can help you with some of the varieties and sort of see what's going on there. They were actually called bush geranium, which I'd never heard of. Yeah, bush geranium can just be another way of saying zonal geranium as well, too. So yep, it's, um, it's just a very generic tag yep. that they put on okay. them. Mm-hmm. Okay, thanks, Joe. Yeah. Okay. Thanks a lot, Ian. Take care. 1-877-332-8255. Okay, we're going to keep going with the text line here and get as many as we can. If we don't get your text on the air, because we only got like three minutes left, <laughs> we, will, we will get it uh, after the air. Uh, we would like our cucumbers to do better growing on a fence or are wondering if cucumbers would do better growing on a fence. Not sure if the vine would hold them up. I've just let them grow on the ground and spread out. So what do you think? Put them on a trellis. That's what they do even in a lot of the, 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 in the greenhouses. They grow them on trellis on uh, basically you, wires, right? They hang when you them. put them on a trellis, lean the trellis against the fence. So it's almost like a lean to, to the fence and then it can kind of grow up and out. It will allow that yeah. fruit to kind of hang underneath the trellis. It's easier for picking as well. And it also um, helps with the weight of the the fruit as well too so awesome. you don't grow them straight up vertically but have yeah. the the trials lean a little bit onto the fence and if you grow them up vertically you can always get some soft ties mm-hmm. they're basically called a soft tie and they're just like a soft rubber and then you just help to attach your vine as you go up and there's also some vegetable tape too which which works good for that too bernice is in big river we've got one little polaris blueberry that has survived two years when all the others around have died what would be the best variety to plant with it? Can't find another Polaris. Uh, says, have seen some uh, north ones yep. at Elliot and Elliot, pardon me, just, just southwest of Kindersley at Manterio, planted yep. by a Caragana hedge. Yeah, so uh, north, north sky, north, north country, north line, 
Polaris, uh, um, Patriot is another one. Uh, any one of those ones will work fine. They're, they're a lot hardier for our province. Okay, so any of those, yep. and, and it can just go near the yep. plant. There's, it'll another just... one is North Country. There's a bunch of them. Yeah, so get, one, the North... get one of the north ones that But also help. what's very important you need to do is you need to acidify the soil, okay? So you need to buy some aluminum sulfate because they will decline if you don't get the pH right. And around Kindersley, your pH is going to be a little oh, bit this higher. Is, this is Big River. Or, Sorry, Big oh, River. Big River, you should be fine. Yeah, should be fine, fine. right? Kind of up make north. Sure, make sure up north that you, get, you mulch them for the wintertime and uh, make sure you get good snow cover for the wintertime. That'll be key for those varieties up there. Okay? okay, they're not quite as hardy as your northern blueberries. Okay, yes, as that uh, okay. as that Polaris one. Yep. Okay, we're gonna get to the rest of the texts after we get off the air here because there's there's lots of them. So sorry we didn't get them all in the air, but we had lots of calls today, which was great. So thank you for joining us, and we'll be back, of course. Same time, same place next weekend, right? See you Love then. It. Enjoy the sunshine. Enjoy the sunshine. All right. Thanks for listening to Garden Talk on 980 CJME and 650 CKOM.